You're listening to The Gutsy Podcast, where we talk about all things real, raw, and ridiculous about running a business authentically. I'm Laura Wallace, also known as The Laura Aura, lover of all things inspirational, owner of Works Graphic Design, and your host on this journey through entrepreneurship. I'm here to help you get out of your head and back into action as a passionate business rock star. Tune in every Tuesday and Thursday as we fuel your gutsy. Two weeks ago, we dug into the first six of the 11 makes that are keeping your business from growing. This is part two. Here are the other five things that are probably contributing to why you keep hitting a ceiling, why you're still feeling overwhelmed, why you feel like, you know what? I feel like I should be further along than what I am right now. I feel like I should be more secure. I should be more financially stable. I shouldn't be as stressed out and overwhelmed as what I am. We're going to get right into it and start off with the seventh mistake that is probably contributing to you not growing. That's hanging on to people for too long. Yep, we're just going to rip the band-aid right off with this one because your people are one of your largest assets. Your employees, the people you surround yourself with, the the types of networking events that you're going to, your clients, people in general play a huge role in your life, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And if you've got naysayers, people that are trying to hold you back, hold you down, always challenging you for the negative, making you question yourself or not believing in you, that has a profound impact on your ability to keep going forward. I mean, it's kind of like that game whack-a-mole. You no longer stand up and something is beating you on the head back it down into the hole. Without your team, it's going to be really hard to scale your business and keep all the promises that you've been making to all of your customers. But sometimes you, you overlook flaws or allow things for too long. And worse yet, have someone that's disrupting your culture. Now you're probably thinking, but they're so talented. How are we going to go on without them? How are we going to replace somebody like that? Well, the downside is keeping a bad egg for too long does more harm than good. And no matter how talented they are, you can find someone else. Your culture is non-negotiable and no one gets to come into your place of business and rattle that. Now, it's not always negativity. Sometimes you have someone that's just simply maxed out. They're great at what they're doing, but they're not providing value to the company because they've become complacent. You see, hanging on to people for longer than you should not only disrupts your company, but it sets the tone for a lower vibration for the rest of the team. You have a good heart. You don't want to hurt people's feelings. Oh, you know, so-and-so just bought a car, so you don't want to let them go. So you feel obligated to keep people on board. I mean, the list and the reasons go on and on. But here's the thing. You have to protect home base. So how do we fix this? Well, it's never an easy topic, but it's a responsibility that comes along with being a business owner. First things first, if you have someone that is disrupting your culture, it needs to be addressed immediately. Documenting in your company manual what your process is for warnings, second warnings, and termination are going to be essential. You have to set the expectation for acceptable and unacceptable behavior. And if someone is not willing to learn, grow, and surpass where they are right now, then the bad egg has got to go. 
One of my mentors once taught me to hire slow and fire quick. I firsthand understand how challenging it is to fire people, whether that's your employees or your friends or your family. Firing people does not always associate with an employee being terminated. Sometimes it's protecting your energy to get people out of your life that no longer serve you. If when their name pops up on your phone and your your first response is, oh my God, I cannot today, you really need to start evaluating that relationship. If you're going to networking events for work and you're around the same people all the time and you're thinking, oh my gosh, if I have to stand here one more time, start evaluating that. If you're going to family functions and realize that this is a really toxic atmosphere, start evaluating it. You do not have to hang on to anyone that tears you down, breaks you down, or wants you to fail. By clearing the capacity and specifically within your culture, you create the space for amazing talent to come in. People that wake up and think, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I get to work there every day. People that are adding value to your services, to your culture, to you. If you're hanging on to that old stank, guess what? That's going to continue to grow. Do yourself a favor, do the hard thing, and create the space. Mistake number eight is staying stagnant and avoiding change. Anytime that I hear a business say, well, this is how we've always done things, I think that a little part of my soul dies. (laughs) Because this is a recipe for staying exactly where you are. You want things to change, you want to grow, but you're not willing to flex and do new things to get there? Yeah, it's not going to happen. That's called insanity, doing the same thing but expecting a different result. Staying stagnant has killed more dreams and ideas than probably anything else. And to get a different result, you have to change the way that you're doing things. You may agree with some things, you might feel resistant to others, and it might feel scary. If you're used to something, guess what? You're used to it, which means you've probably become pretty comfortable. Anytime that you make a change, there's a level of discomfort that comes along with that. But growth in your business starts from growth within. I know it's easier said than done, but allow yourself to be open to change. People within your organization often see things from a different perspective than you do, so they can come to you with an educated suggestion, meaning if it's an idea with facts and reasons to support it, I want you to consider it before you shut it down. If you're thinking, oh my gosh, we've never done it like that. Why would we do it like that? Oh my gosh, that's going to cost more time. Oh my gosh, that's going to cost more money. If you always go into it with the Duke's up mindset, you're going to have a much harder time adapting to change. Your employees and your people are seeing it firsthand. They are the feet in the street, the people in the trenches. They know different areas of your business better than you do. And that's okay. Actually, that's pretty freaking fantastic. So when they come to you with a suggestion on how to maximize time, how to make things more efficient, how to improve the company, be open to it. Now, you don't have to take every person's suggestion. You don't have to implement every single system and process, but be open to it because you never know when those conversations are going to lead to the decision that actually starts to move the needle. One of your jobs as a leader is to listen. Listening to feedback gives you a chance to improve client experiences. Listening to your employees gives you a chance to help them grow, which in turn 
helps the business grow. And listening to opportunities to change gives you a chance to break out of old patterns, old behaviors, and improve your business. Some of the greatest things that we do here at Works were not my idea, and that's okay. Open up your mindset to know that if someone else comes up with an idea and it helps your business, it's okay that it wasn't yours either. The ninth mistake that may be halting your business growth is having a dream without a plan. I once heard that a dream without a plan is just a wish, and I thought, well, shit, that's true. (laughs) See, dreaming has an important part of your business. You have to come up with the ideas. You have to play in the space of what if. You have to think, well, if I took a risk here, what would happen? Daydreaming and coming up with a future vision is a huge part of the business. That's probably one of the areas that you you serve in your business the best. This is the time and the space that you need to think about the future of your life and your business. And it's often where your next great thing is born. But just like marriage after a honeymoon, the real work starts when you put action behind that dream. Without a plan, it's hard to know how in the hell are you going to achieve those things? I mean, you can sit and think and daydream all day long, but if there isn't a plan, how's it going to happen? And that's exactly how you fix it. I'm a huge advocate for playing in the space of what if. We, that's something that we use here at Works. There is a time and a place for being visual, for dreaming, for just creating. We love to use that space as a time where we don't have to have a plan. We don't have to figure things out. We literally just daydream and visualize and think big and oh, if the world were at our fingertips, how would we do things? This is absolute necessary and unstructured time. But then comes the other really important time, and that's breaking things down. That's getting into the weeds of how. How are we going to do this? What is our timeline? What are our goals? You have to start putting strategy with your vision. This is a huge area that I missed as well because I can visualize all damn day. If you need an idea, I've got you. But that has to be backed up with the how. There's definitely a clear time between visualizing and howing. I always tell the team, I'm like, let's not howl things to death. It's not time for that. But there is a foldover period where if we want that stuff to happen, if you want to make that goal happen, if you want to achieve something, if you want to go after a specific client, you have to figure out how in the hell you're going to do it. This is where you get to start breaking down timelines and setting goals. So create a task list of what it will take to get this dream done and then start to delegate. What people do you need on board to help do this? Set up time in your calendar, dedicate your focus, and get in it. The thing is, you really have to set your goals and treat your goals like they are a client. Set up regular meetings in your calendar, have regular meetings with your team members, do check-ins. How do you hold people accountable? Because if you don't structure it like you would a client, It's always, 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 I promise you, going to get pushed to the back burner. And then before you know it, months, years, sometimes decades go by and you're like, oh, you remember that one time we had that really cool idea? Dot, dot, dot. The cycle will continue unless you intentionally invest time in your dreams. The 10th mistake is undervaluing your services. Pricing is one of the most challenging parts of any business. It's one of the top questions that I get when people are like, oh, I'm going to start a business, but I have no idea what to charge. 
you go on the internet and you look at what other people are doing and there's all kinds of websites that tell you national averages and blah, blah, blah. So you don't even know where to begin, let alone how to set yourself up for, for value. One of the most common things that people run into is they feel bad. You feel bad for charging for what you do. And why? Well, it's easy to you. You love doing it. It comes pretty naturally. You can do it fairly quickly. But here's the thing. It's only easy to you because either A, you've been doing it for a really long time. B, you've gone to school and learned how to do it. C, you've read books and immersed your time. I mean, we could go on and on. It's only easy to you because you have dug into it. But this equates in feeling bad because you're like, well, this is really simple for me. And I feel bad charging someone for something that they can't do that comes supernatural to me. I'm here to tell you, you got to get over it. (laughs) If you ever want to make money, if you ever want to get ahead, if you ever want to pay your bills, if you ever want to get out of debt, if you ever want to work by the beach, you have to get over charging people for what you do. Your pricing structure, it's not a linear decision. There is not really a right answer. The biggest trick here, though, is knowing who your audience is. Who are your customers? And if it's been two, five, ten years since you've adjusted your pricing structure, I want you to take a hard stop and go back to the numbers board because you are worth your time and you are worth your talent. And no, you may not be for everyone, and that's okay. But when you position yourself properly, you invest in your branding and your marketing, and you set yourself and your clients up for success, there are people that will pay no matter what you charge, whether it's $5 an hour or $5,000 an hour. Seriously, there is a market for everything in between. So I kind of jumped ahead, but how do we fix that? You have to start first from within. So much of this work is, is reflective. Because if you don't believe that you are worth charging then you're never going to effectively hold yourself and your business accountable to actually charging it. You're going to continue to discount. You're going to continue to pull back your proposal. You're going to continue to underestimate projects. And you're always going to be left feeling like, man, I could have made so much more money, but I didn't because I felt bad. If you constantly feel like you're too expensive, then you'll always lower your cost to accommodate. If you always feel like you're not charging enough, then you're always going to be feeling undervalued and underpaid and eventually resentful. Create your pricing structure based off of your value, your market, and your customers. See, we talked about Tiffany's in the previous episode. I'm going to bring it back in here. They did not price their jewelry to sell it at a big box retailer. They price it for their market. And I'm going to bet that none of them are losing sleep over selling a bracelet for $6,000. And that's true because I got an ad on Facebook and I clicked on it because I thought it was pretty. And one bangle bracelet, six grand. Now, I am not their target audience. So that did not feel right to me. But there are plenty of people that are whipping out their credit cards going, oh, that's not bad at all. The other key here is knowing what your expenses are so that you can price to ensure that you're creating a profit and then own it. Stop second guessing yourself. Stop undervaluing your prices. Stop giving discounts. Do it for full price or donate it for free and nothing in between. Then last but not least, number 11, being reactive versus proactive. 
So you're busy. I get it. You've got a thousand things happening at any given moment. And if you get something off of your list or empty an inbox, then you feel like you've won the freaking lottery. The problem is you're doing everything like 10 steps behind where you actually should be doing it. These are things that should have been taken care of months ago. This is planning out for your social media that should have been taken care of already. This is a sale that's coming up. You've got a a holiday that you know that you always run a sale and you know it comes up at the same time every year, but lo and behold, in the 11th hour, you're like, shit, I need to create a campaign. Maybe you need to hire. You know you need to create a job description. You know you need to get it up online, but you wait until the 11th hour and you're like, shit, I need to throw something together. You spend so much of your time being reactive in your business that you're constantly just putting out fires. I mean, seriously, when was the last time that you felt like, damn, I really nailed that. I feel so good. I had so much time to dedicate to it and it just feels really great. Ultimately, that's what we're striving for. We want more of the proactive feeling than what the reactive actions give us. We fix this by intentionally giving ourselves space. You are overbooking yourself, you're overcommitting, you're saying yes to too many things, you're being too many things to too many people, and then it's like whatever you have left is what you have to work with. We gotta flip that switch around. You may not know it, but you actually don't have to scramble around at the last minute all the time. But you end up choosing to because other tasks get put in the front of the line. First, I want you to look at your week at a glance. I know that sometimes planning super far out can be really overwhelming. So what you can do is start with what's right in front of you. On Sunday evenings, I love to just kind of get myself in the headspace, know what's coming up for the week. And on Mondays, that's my internal day at works. All I do is works-centric projects. So I want you to look at your week, what's coming up, and what really needs your time and attention. And then block that time into your schedule. You have to start holding your time sacred because if you don't, nobody else is going to. If we're talking about marketing specifically, create a promotions calendar. Look at your quarter, half year, or even year ahead. I want you to start really understanding when your peak seasons are because when you know them, you know when you need to start planning for them. In in the branding and marketing world, we look at the end date first and we're backwards off of that. So if you know that a sale is going out on July 15th, when does the postcard need to go out to get into people's hands to effectively market them? When does the social media campaign need to start going out? Look at all of your highlight peak times and then start creating a strategy backwards. We can recommend planning out campaigns about three months before they need to launch. It gives you time to really think about it. It gives you time to pull in imagery that is appropriate for the campaign. It gives you time to think about the creative message. It gives you time to work with a creative team to do these things for you. And the beautiful thing is, once it comes, it's already a well-oiled machine. It's in place. It's scheduled out. Things are at the printer. And all that, oh shit, I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off at the 11th hour while my hair's on fire feeling, it's gone because you have intentionally blocked out time to work on your business. Okay, so we have compiled the top 11 things that are holding you back from succeeding in your business. And I just want to applaud you. 
Because again, if you are here, if you're listening to this episode, that tells me that you are hungry for change. You are hungry to start implementing something. You are hungry to move the needle. You're ready to start making money. You're ready to start feeling better. You're ready to decrease your stress and increase your cash flow. That alone deserves a round of applause. And as I was working through all of these things this year and re- having this like self-realization like, okay, so I've done some really great things in my career, but I've also really missed the bar on a lot of these. I had to just feel it and let it go. Because if you if you consume yourself with, I've messed things up, I've held myself back, I could have been further along, I should have been doing this all along, you're just going to continue in this cycle. Just feel what you need to feel and then let it go. And then invest that time and energy into adjusting these things. Almost every single one of these honest mistakes boils down to one thing. Time. As a business owner, your time is precious. And it often gets away from you before you even realize it. This is not a set it and forget it lifestyle, guys. You have to continuously evolve. You have to always be open to change. And when you fail at something, fail at it really good and really hard and then change the shit out of it. Your business is a living, breathing thing and it requires your time and attention and affection. And here's the beautiful news. There's always ways to turn things around. None of this is too far gone. Sure, maybe you've done some of these things for years or decades. It's okay And change is not always easy. It's scary and concerning and frustrating sometimes. And man, I can tell you that there is no less than 10 times that I've cried through this list because I thought, damn it, I thought I fixed everything. Why is something else presenting itself? So don't be surprised that when you start working through these things, it shines a light on something else. At the end of this process, after doing the hard work through it, here's where I'm at. This episode is the very first one of 2020, and I can tell you that we are starting a new year and a new decade, really, as a new company. We're not looking backwards anymore. We're not trying to fix all the things that are holding us back. All the time that we invested on trying to adjust things half-assed throughout 2019, now it's just done. Things are in place. It's like a well-oiled machine. And when you do the same, you are setting not only yourself up for success, but your team, and you're opening the doors and the windows and blowing off the roof for the opportunity to be able to really start to scale your business. Take them one at a time. Dig the whole way down into the depths. Finish it to its finished, completed state. And then move on to whatever area needs your attention the most next. I promise you, at the end of all of this, your business is going to start functioning the way that you've always felt it could. Join me this Thursday as we take our power back by owning our ugly bits. Because when you claim them, no one else gets to call them ugly. For a look into previous episodes or for more gutsy insight on life and business, follow me on Facebook and Instagram at that Laura Aura. And until then, stay gutsy.